how leading with your values can help you differentiate your personal brand from your competition. This is episode 30 of the Personal Branding with Lynn podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Personal Branding with Lynn, a podcast for creatives launching your side hustle or second career. If you are a new creative business owner and you're struggling to find out how you can promote yourself authentically, find your ideal customers, and create a sales process that keeps customers in the pipeline, then you need a personal brand. That means if you own a business, you have a much better chance of winning people's trust if you bond with them first as a human being and you do that by creating a personal brand and that's the mission of this podcast we will learn how to use a personal brand to help you launch and propel your creative business let's get started Hi, and welcome again to the Personal Branding with Lynn podcast. My name is Lynn Morton, but you can call me Lynn. And this is episode 30. We are now working our way through season three. And this is where we're talking about how you can pivot or reinvent yourself if you choose to start a business or side hustle you've been thinking about forever. I know a lot of people really started rethinking these kinds of issues during the, during the pandemic and then after it. And so when we start thinking about as creatives, the business that we will try and launch, I know one of the big things we worry about is how will I be different from everyone else? I mean, there's so many people out there who are a photographer, designer, writer, musician, you enter your creative skill here. And then you think, well, what will, what will make me different and stand out? Well, today I'm starting a three-part series that will help you answer that question. We're going to share three different things that you can use to differentiate yourself from everyone else and make your personal brand the unique snowflake or, or fingerprint or whatever analogy you want to use that makes you different from everyone else in every other business in that space. All right. So the first one today, we will talk about your values and how you use that to differentiate yourself. Then on Thursday, we'll talk about your point of view as another way to further separate yourself from the pack. And then finally, we'll talk about your story. And with those, these three things, you will have the ingredients you need you know, really to just to start to differentiate yourself in a meaningful way for your, your audiences and your potential customers. So with these three approaches, you're going to be on your way and we'll get started today with number one, right after this. You know, this is the best time to launch a business. Seriously, with today's technology, you can do just about every essential function from a cloud-based service or a phone app. Now, with that technology and that kind of access, you can also waste a lot of time and money using products that don't work as advertised or 
picking the wrong one when there's a more efficient option for you. Here's how I can help you. I have tested just about every app in every major category, and I created a guide to help you pick the major players in each service and know then which one is best for you and which one can provide you the best value. Now, in addition to going through and saying listing each of them and which ones might provide the best value, I also, because I've used most of them, can tell you which one I think was the best and which one I'm currently using. So I think this can be helpful for you. So if you are now searching for technology to help you launch or run your business, don't waste any more time and money trying to build your business with the wrong tools for the job. Go get my Tech Whisperer for Creatives guide, and you can find it at Tech for Creatives. Tech, T-E-C-H, for, F-O-R, creatives.com, and download the free guide. It's about 12 pages of really good information to help you pick the right technology for your business. All right? Techforcreatives.com. Go get it now. This week, I was all set to buy some gear from Cleveland's Major League Baseball team. And I'm not a fan of Cleveland. To be honest, I can't tell you the last time I watched a full game of Major League Baseball. But I thought about plucking out my credit card and ordering a Cleveland jersey. Why? Because Cleveland had just made a statement by changing the name of their mascot from the Indians to the Guardians. And I wanted to make a statement by supporting that decision. In fact, I went on to make a statement on my Facebook page praising their decision. I wrote, congrats to Cleveland for changing the name and the mascot of their of their MLB team. It's long overdue and good on them for doing it. Cleveland rocks. It's shameful that some teams still carry the mascots of Native American human beings. You know... Five or six, maybe 10 years ago, I would have never written that on Facebook. It's interesting because coming up in the corporate world, we were taught to not share our personal opinions in, in public. We were for fear, of, for fear of offending someone. I remember being called by my boss once who found a blog that I wrote on political topics in basically, you know, gave me a, a, a warning or a lecture that you are, as a public relations person, the face of our business. So everything you say there also reflects on us and kind of hinted that I'd take it down. You know, I went on and, and, and continued writing that blog under a pseudonym. But I always remembered that that situation. And so in today's world, I think we are seeing and experiencing these kinds of things much differently. And so I feel, I, I felt 
much more comfortable going out and uh, going on the record with my support for uh, Cleveland and their decision because it really is shameful that these teams still insist on carrying the mascots mascot of Native American human beings. I just find that to be really repulsive. And here's the thing. If my statement and my feeling about that offends you, then and you decide you don't want to do business with me, and that's just fine with me because at that point, we're probably not going to be compatible anyway. And a lot of businesses are, are taking similar kinds of stands. When you have many different creatives offering the same product, how do you differentiate yourself? Well, one way would be to lead with your values. Sharing your opinions and values on issues you believe in and care deeply about can help you cut through the clutter and speak to buyers whose values align with yours. Now, according to the Consumer Insight Group, gone are the days when companies struggled to take a, to take a neutral stand on social and political issues in hopes of appealing to the widest market. Studies show that today, consumers want brands to take a stand, and failing to do so can hurt the company's bottom line. In fact, consumers feel so strongly about companies taking a stand on social issues that 60% would switch from a product they typically buy to a new product from a purpose-driven company. Now that's deep. Knowing that, here are three ways that you can lead with your values to separate yourself. Number one, make a statement. So what do we mean by make a statement? Well, Airbnb back in 2017 made a statement about, about refugees coming into the country and where they would stay. And they did it with an ad that ran during the Super Bowl. They said, we believe in the simple idea that no matter who you are, where you're from, who you love, or who you worship, you deserve to belong. People who've been displaced, whether because of war or conflict or other factors, are acutely vulnerable to not being accepted. They are, quite literally, in need of a place to belong, which is why we've been inspired to take action. We started by providing housing for evacuees of disasters and have been since providing how pro, have since provided housing during 54 global disasters. Today, we're setting a goal of providing short-term housing over the next five years for 100,000 people in need. We'll start with refugees, disaster survivors, and relief workers, though we want to accommodate many more types of displaced people over time. In addition, Airbnb will contribute $4 million over the course of four years to the International Rescue Committee to support the most critical needs of the displaced populations globally. This was just nine days after President Trump had signed an order to temporarily close America's borders to refugees in 2018. Airbnb decided to air the ad during their coveted Super Bowl spot as a direct response to his decision. The ad, called We Accept, showed a montage of different people from different nationalities, along with the words, We believe that no matter who you are, where you're from, who you love, or who you worship, we all belong. This world is more beautiful the more you accept. 
Now, along with being one of the most talked about and praised Super Bowl ads that year, it also enhanced and promoted Airbnb's wider positioning on issues of race and diversity. Let's not forget that they came under fire themselves for supposed racial discrimination occurring on the platform. And in the, in, in because of this ad, they were able to almost remake their, their brand on that issue as being more open and more inclusive. So the first way that you lead with your values is you make a statement of your values. This is what we believe in. And going forward, this is what we will do. A statement that is aligned with your values and one that your customers can also use to rally around with you. So number one is make a statement. Number two, reflect it in your policies like Petco did. On October 6th of 2020, Petco issued this statement. It ends today. Today, we stop the pain for Buddy because he barks at the doorbell. We stop the stress for Sadie because she jumps for joy all over the neighbors when they walk in the door. And we stop the fear for Cooper because he prefers a good pair of sneakers over the chew toys from the market. As of today, Petco no longer sells shock collars operated by a person with a remote in hand because as a health and wellness company dedicated to improving pets lives they have no business in our business and frankly we believe there's a better way so today we say out with shock shock collars and in with positive training we say bye to remote controls that cause pain and hello to expert trainers who mentor pets and provide parents and provide pet parents with positivity, patience, and compassion. Today, we call on the rest of the pet industry and anyone who loves pets to join our movement and help us drive the positive change beyond just Petco. Today, we encourage anyone using or looking for shock collars to consider training with treats instead of electricity and partnership instead of pain. In fact, we'll cover your first positive training class if you let us. Learn what we're taking off of our shelves and add your voice to the petition below. And thank you for always helping us give all our pets the very best lives. Today, we stop the shock. And that was signed by their CEO, Ron Coughlin. Now, that's a strong statement, and it's even signed by the CEO. So, and, and, and what I liked about that is they, 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 they followed it up with policies that reinforce that stand. They're taking all the shock collars off of, off, off of their shelves. So, you know, they, they, they are willing to take whatever financial hit that, um, reflects. And, and not only that, but they're offering free training to people who support who support that stand and also leading with a petition to try and grow a larger movement. They, they follow that up with a press release also that Petco today announced that it has stopped selling specific electronic shock callers, strengthening its commitment to positive reinforcement training methods and solidifying the company's evolution from a leading pet specialty, specialty retailer to a category defining health and wellness partner 
for pets and pet parents. Recognizing the opportunity to create real change, the company is calling on the industry and consumers to join its movement via an online petition aimed at creating responsible regulation for the retail sale of shock collars to general consumers. So there you have it. The second way you can lead with your values is to make sure your decisions are reflected in your policies. And so that you show that not only in action, but in not only in words, but in action, will you reflect what your values are. Here's another example of how you can reflect it in your policies. You all know Wendy's the hamburger chain, and you might know that they champion adoption. I was in Wendy's the other day and I saw this big sign on the wall that said, We Heart Adoption. Thanks to your visit today, we're able to help children waiting in foster care to find their forever families. To learn more about Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, visit wendys.com slash adoption. And of course, Dave Thomas, who was adopted, uh, adopted, sorry about the pun there, this as their signature cause. And uh, not only that, he reflected it in his policies in that they offered adoption benefits to their employees, including paid time off, bonding leave, and financial assistance for each adopted child. So Wendy's not only took a stand, but they took the other step of creating policies to make their their business an adoption-friendly workplace, as they called it. So that's the second way you lead with your values is you reflect it in your policies. And now the third way is you adopt a signature charity or issue. You adopt a signature charity or issue. And the example is one that I'm sure you've heard of, the Marine Corps Toys for Tots. Every every Christmas season, the Marine Corps uh, Toys for Tot campaign goes and and goes around and asks people to deliver uh, to 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 donate toys so they can deliver them to less fortunate children and you might have even participated yourself and, and they say when you donate to marine toys for tots you're helping to bring the joy of christmas and send a message of hope to america's less fortunate children and they have done such an incredible job that 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 issue now is almost, um, you know, synonymous with them during the holiday season. And so many places where I've worked and so many businesses I know collect these toys and participate. And it's just and they send a Marine to pick up the uh, the toys in in the in their dress blues and you know it, it's really a, a a cool way of of making a stand and leading with your vet taking a stand and leading with your values now when i worked for the coast guard and many of you might not know but i i i worked for the coast guard headquarters in washington dc um leading their community relations division and 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 during that time, the Coast Guard also selected a signature charity, and we did a lot of work with them. And the charity was First Book, and First Book was is, as the name suggests, dedicated to getting underprivileged underprivileged children buy them their first book. And so they have, and they've been doing this since 1992. 
they talk about their impact. They have 200 million books and resources distributed, 5 million children served annually, and 500,000 educators in our network. That's pretty good. Now, when I, when I was with the Coast Guard and we selected them as our signature charity, what we would do is ha- um, use the Coast Guard warehouses as places where they could store their books when people donated. So when people donated all these books and there were lots of them coming in, they were able to store them in Coast Guard warehouses until they could distribute them to the centers where they would make their, you know, final um, journey to the, you know, the hands and the homes of these kids who, who needed um, books and who didn't have a, a book to read. And then the other thing we did was we sent out our service members to libraries and community centers and and places in the community to to go and read these books for these children and with these children. And, you know, it was one of the things that I'm just so tremendously proud that I got to participate in because it it was an issue that not just the organization adopted, but you know, that I felt strongly about on a personal level. You know, you might not know that both of my parents were teachers. And so I I feel very strongly about any opportunity to help with education, and especially education of underserved or underprivileged children. So I thought that was just a, a tremendous um, opportunity for us to participate with First Book and try and make an impact. And as you can see, first book has really just gone on to do um, tremendous work. I'm not sure if the Coast Guard is still in, involved with them, um, but at that at the time I worked with them, we were, and it was uh, you know one of the things I was most proud of. So that's the third way that uh, you can lead with your values. You adopt a signature charity or issue. Now, when I had my company, Photo Tour DC, I had also adopted a uh, my own signature charity, and and that was Critical Exposure. And this was a group that taught children in underprivileged schools to use their cameras to 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 tell stories, to advocate for themselves. And so, it, it, you know, I my business was photography education, so this aligned so well with my business as well as my own personal um, uh, issues that I cared deeply about. And so we would go and we work with these um, schools where these kids are and teach them photography and teach them storytelling so that they could use their stories to go and impact their lives. So it was not just about teaching photography, but it was also teaching photography and using it as a tool for advocacy. When I volunteered with them, the the school that I volunteered, they took on the project of trying to build a library. They didn't have a library in that school and they thought they should have one. And so they used their pictures to tell the story of what it was like to not have a library and how, and how that library could impact them and uh you know they had a very modest goal that they exceeded so many times over in terms of money that they got from the from the from the the school the school 
board. And not only that, they got so many donations. Even this was in Washington, D.C., and the school was right near Howard University. And Howard University, as a, a university, as I recalled, donated a lot of books to them as well. And so these kids were so tremendously proud that they raised all this money and they got these books and they were able to uh, um, create a library and leave their own legacies at that school. And I got to do that working with Creative Exposure, which, uh, which was just a tremendous organization. And I was just so proud to be able to support them as they worked on, on that mission as well and continue to do such great work in the city. In fact, there, a couple years later, I was on the metro, the train in, in Washington, D.C., when I ran into one of the kids who, who I mentored in that high school, the ones who was, were able to get the new library. And uh, so we stopped and chatted with him for a bit and found out he was in college studying journalism. And he said it was because of his experience working with with uh, critical exposure and being able to make a difference and tell stories that awakened in him the desire to to be a journalist. And now he was pursuing that as a full-time occupation. And look at that. Lives changed just because of, of the work they did and the small part I got to play in it. And I did it as a part of you know, my business. So I would go back and in my, my weekly emails to my customers, I'd tell them here, here's something I'm, I'm working on. And I, I'd raise money and I did a, a free, a workshop where all the proceeds went to them. And I tried to do a number of little things, um, that were within my control to also contribute to their work on that issue. And so that's another way to lead with your values. You adopt a signature charity or issue, and uh, then that can also speak to your customers and your audience about what you believe in and set you apart. Um, nobody else who was teaching photography was working with an organization like that, and that's one way I differentiated myself. So there you have it. Three ways you can lead with your values for your personal brand. Remember, the first one is to make a statement and next, reflect it in your policies. That's number two. And number three, adopt a signature charity or issue that you can use within your business. So three ways you can lead with your values for your personal brand. Thank you so much for joining me again, this time for episode 30 in season three. We talked about how leading with your values can help you differentiate your personal brand from your competition. I hope you took away something there that will help you as you start to think about differentiating yourself and using that as one of the ways to do it meaningfully. Now, remember, part two of this series will come on Thursday when we talk about your point of view. And uh, that will be another interesting way of further differentiating yourself. Can't wait to talk with you about it then. 
So remember, don't and, and remember the download for tech for creatives. Don't waste your time and money trying to build your business with the wrong tools for the job. Go to techforcreatives.com and download the free guide. That's it for today. Thank you so much. You have a great rest of the week and I'll talk to you soon. Here's to your success. Take care.